Rodgers, almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the man. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Our final Jason Jones from Mothership, Joe Patrick from the game, Joe Soccer is over there. Kurt Castle is on the intro of the song. This chance to check him out on Spotify. Joe Patrick, did you also have nightmares about Sir Minty, the, the kaiju version of Sir Minty, <laughs> wading through Atlanta, destroying everything in sight, shooting laser beams out of his eyes until it just <laughs> settles its gaze on one train in a train face and, and swallows him whole? Was that you or is it just me? Oh, man. Who doesn't? Who doesn't have those nightmares or dreams? Maybe they're it's a dream for some people, a nightmare for others. Sir Minty. I like the name, though. It's a little uh-huh. it's like that quirky mascot name. It's like Sir Purr. Sir Purr. Their, yeah, yeah. Sir Purr. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. So Sir Minty. I guess that's the royalty that? thing. That's what it's they're the royalty that's, thing. That's, that's that the theme. For, yeah. OK. Did you see their giant Sir Minty like monster? post they did after the game where he's like got a train and on hand staring vacantly into the void from which he came yeah it's a it's terrifying it's terrifying we need sir Sir minty we need a pic of sir minty doing the uh you know the the um the what do they call it the freaking uh moment of silence (laughs) god damn it oh yeah 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 yeah. we we won't be we won't be elite until we have training mctrain face and sir minty doing the mascot moment of silence for sure for sure um, Sir Menti's terrifying, also terrifying. A lot of Atlanta United's play yesterday. This one got uh, people riled up, man. This one's going to be divisive. I think Joe Patrick, I think me and you are going to fight a little bit. Maybe, judging maybe. From, we'll from what I've got kind of seen here, which, of course, fighting for us is like, I politely disagree. It's because very respectful. Statistic. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. That's that's the kind of fighting you get on this uh, shock jock show. I think run. it's good, though. I, 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 I personally enjoy it when we see the game differently or just like when we have any kind of difference of opinion because i think it's more interesting to listen to i hope it is at least for our listeners so hopefully we get we'll something out. out of it you guys can find out more about our disagreements and our likes and our dislikes and our hobbies and and how we feel about all sorts of things on <laughs> patreon.com slash five stripe final got a lot of good stuff up there we're gonna talk to a doctor sometime soon that's yes. gonna be exciting we're gonna talk to a real doctor so we can stop saying this 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 hamstring injury st- seems bad. <laughs> yeah, I can stop staying at the Holiday Inn Express. Exactly, That's my joke. Exactly, Joe can stop doing that joke from 2001. <laughs> it's going to be so much better. It's going to be so much better. We got a lot of good stuff there. We have the on review segments, which have been well received. So which, good, thank Sam. God, because it took four hours the other night to, to actually to like, you. record audio and record video at the same time. It was extremely embarrassing. Dude, I'm glad. So good, liked though. It. So good, though, worth the price of admission to watch Sam's on review segments. He did one on Tiago Amada last week, looking at his progressive passes. And it's really eye opening as to like just how much he was kind of driving everything that Atlanta was doing in the attack. So uh, really good. I'm looking forward to more. They might not always be as like optimistic looking as the, that one. <laughs> I think that we could. <laughs> there might be some on reviews like uh, from this week that could be a little bit more uh-huh. pessimistic. But, we, you know, we, the great thing I love, too, is that you, you, you ask the, the, the discord what they want to see, what they want to what they want more detail on. So um, there's going to be more of that throughout the season. I can't wait. Yeah, we'll see what people kind of want to see from this week. I'm interested to see what people want to see mm-hmm. from this week. I have some thoughts as well. We'll check all of that again. Patreon.com slash. 
five stripe final. Before we get to our own personal review of this week, though, here on Five Stripe Final, we have a little bit of business. This is business time. It's Business time, Joe Patrick. Do we really got to do this? <laughs> I know. It's really, really old news at this point. Probably not. Ozzy Alonzo, Joseph Martinez, Dylan Castanera, the big one, Dylan Castanera <laughs> out for the year, torn Achilles. No, of course, the, the news obviously was Ozzy Alonzo last week. Everybody knows about this. But then Joseph Martinez out for six to eight weeks after uh, having to have uh, an arthroscopic surgery done that was revealed last Friday. So um, I don't know. What, what were your what was your initial reaction to that, Sam? Like, was that good news for you? Bad news? Because, I mean, the worst <laughs> possible scenarios have been floating through my mind. So to see six to eight weeks, I was like, could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse than that. Well, we were at the training ground when mm-hmm. this broke and we were sitting next to Doug Roberson, who got a heads up, right? Because he's the AJC beat writer and he was frowning very aggressively. <laughs> yeah. This and, is Joseph news. That's all he said. And the, he said Joseph <laughs> news. And then I was like, well, what is it? And he said, not good. And I, and then he kept frowning and, and then I went, it was Uh-oh. just click, 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 typing, yep, 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 typing. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> and I went, oh shit, he's he's out for the year. They're taking his leg off, all that yeah. kind of thing, right? Gangrene. And then we then we started walking over to the training ground. I'm like, well, what, what is it? What is it? And he goes, six to eight weeks. And I went, oh, <laughs> that's not that bad. Yeah, just have that's some, not that bad. Just have some I'll scar take tissue it. taken out. Yeah, exactly, I'm, exactly. I got Which my fingers crossed that it is before, only six to eight weeks. I've got my fingers crossed that it's mm-hmm. only six to eight. You know, pray he comes back after that time and is kind of more back to his normal self. But what I've been telling people is it's like, you know, about losing Joseph six to eight weeks. I've been talking about this on the radio a little bit too. It's not like you're losing 2018, 2019 Joseph Martinez for six to eight weeks. He was playing at like 70% maybe of his full full capabilities. If that, you know, some, some fraction of what he normally is. So that's what you're losing. And you as we saw did. this weekend against Charlotte, you're still not getting that back in any of your backups. He's 70 percent <laughs> of Joseph is still better than whatever, you know, you've got. But, um, you know, it's not maybe as big of a blow it was as it would have been in 2020. I did hope for a moment because I watched Inter Miami, New England this weekend. Joe Patrick, I don't know, this, do, know if you know this, but Inter Miami did not play Gonzalo Higuain. And this one, he was out mm. in Inter Miami. Played their best game of the year. They scored three times. They beat <laughs> New England 3-2. And I kind of started thinking, I was like, you know, kind of similar profiles between Iguain and, and Joseph over the last mm-hmm. little bit here. I wonder what's going to happen. Maybe Atlanta United comes out and plays their best attacking game of the year. Uh, no, that did not happen. <laughs> so, uh, oops. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, look, I, I think I'm going to say this elsewhere. But I think I'm right. So I'm going to keep saying it, I guess the Joseph thing is, is bad news, but the Aussie news is worse mm. for yeah. the, the deficits and defaults that this team and the faults that this team has. It's not good to, to be missing the one midfielder who really seemed to kind of be above average at yeah. this point. And yeah. we're going to kind of get into it, but it all kind of comes down to for me, you can't keep throwing replacement level midfielders at, at the problem and expect it to be fixed. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with this team right now. And I think we'll get into that a little bit more. But but losing Ozzy huge for a number of reasons, obviously huge for the on field stuff, but off field as well. Gonzalo talked a lot 
in media availability about wanting the injured guys to still be involved, to have them be a presence on this team. You have to feel for Ozzy that it might be the only way for him to be involved with the team going forward. It's hard to imagine a player coming back from an ACL injury that late in their career. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And, you know, like you said, Pineda was seemed pretty adamant that he was going to come back just because, I, you know, he's he respects Ozzy so much. He knows how tough he is. And of course, you want to kind of back your player by saying that. But just realistically, it, it is it's tough. It's tough to see a road back for him. But I hope he can. You know, I certainly hope that he could come back. And, um, you know, there's a club option for him next year. And I, you know, if he's recovering, if he's trying to come back, if he's clearly trying to come back. He's on a minimum salary, you know, like, mm-hmm. would would that be worth it for Atlanta United? Maybe, probably even like because Gonzalo Pineda was even saying he was hanging around, like still on the training ground uh, this week after his injury. Just, you know, still helping players, trying to be, you know, as, as useful as he can. So that's great to hear that he's in that kind of spirit, at least. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's a tough blow. And it's, it is amazing, again, to kind of go back to his salary, which I had totally forgotten about. Until I was looking mm-hmm. at injury season injury replacement player type stuff that he was only on a minimum contract like that. The value you were getting for that for for Ozzy Alonzo, because not only it was striking to me, not only was he kind of the the coach on the field, helping the players organize themselves tactically or whatever, but still looked good. Like when he was playing, he was sharp technically um, and. He was even helping progress the play. I, I kind of saw him more as a, you know, obviously a defensive player playing as like a number six, but he was really in all facets. I thought he was really good. So that's going to be a big loss. I'm, I can get on board with that uh, take that you got, Sam. Yeah. And not only that, you had a guy who was leading a lot of the pressing, triggering a lot of yep. it and kind of leading the line on that. And as we'll talk about in this one, you saw a team that clearly could not effectively press or counter press in any way. And, and Charlotte had a real easy time moving through the the middle third of the field. Really, really easy time. It seemed yeah. like it, it didn't yep. re- result in a ton of chances, maybe in the way they would have hoped, but also it's, it's Charlotte, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and besides having a, a top tier coach and a top tier striker in the league, they don't have much else. And that, that's not a thing you would really expect to be happening given the talent disparities presumably by you know transfer fees and everything like that between the two teams right yeah. so it's uh maybe not encouraging not a whole lot of good news this week it's been about as bad a week as i think we possibly could have expected yeah. uh, we didn't even mention that mateus is got thrown in there for, oh, for yeah, two to four weeks right. as well totally i forgot yeah 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 he's played I every that press release season. i think i said this elsewhere but i, I described that press release as like a, a five-year-old telling a scary story you know and then mateus is was out for two to four weeks and then Joseph Martinez had his knee examined and then <laughs> Ozzy Alonso was out for the season. And then Dylan Castaniera gone mm. for however, however long with the Achilles tear. Um, yeah. so, not good. I know. Good. It, it's it, like when we went to training on Friday, Pineda, it was sounding like a, like a funeral or something. Just the, in, in terms of the tone, just the way that people were talking, it was, it was a bit of a downer. So, and this result won't help. So hopefully they can get something that will turn around their, their mood. Um, but I think that's going to have to come on the field and there's going to be, I think there's going to have to be some tough decisions that are made with some mm-hmm. of these players, because I think what Gonzalo is tra- getting at, well, I mean, I think what Gonzalo Pineda is trying to do right now is get all of his best players on the field. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why they went to the back three in the team, the way he set up the team this week. But somebody's going to be left out. Obviously, Marcelino Moreno is going to be talked about a lot as well. But to me, like, I just didn't think the team functioned well at all with the three center backs uh, in this system. So mm-hmm. there's going to be some players who are going to miss out on on games. And 
especially with the defenders. It, it's interesting to me that Alan Franco has been the one who's been getting subbed out of games, not George Campbell. And it's harder. You can't complain about that. I mean, I think that it's right. probably the right decisions to usually leave George on the field. So, um, yeah, it's just it's tough decisions for Gonzalo Pineda over these next few weeks, especially with all the injuries. Yep, just trying to stay afloat, it seems like, for the most part. But that being said, there, there are other MLS teams with injuries doing just fine. And all considered, Atlanta United still, like what? They're, they're still fourth, in fine. They're yeah, fifth, fourth, they're like in fourth, or 10 it's, points. It's super yeah. Don't even look yeah. at the, the, I don't look at the standings at this point. Um, so maybe you shouldn't either. Maybe you shouldn't either. But what we will look at is this one nothing loss to Charlotte in sports prime game time. Sports Prime Game Time, Joe, Patrick, I think we can start with the start with the team selection yeah. in particular, right? And we can talk about it in depth, I guess. But I, I saw it and went, oh, this again, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's <laughs> why I was like, I was surprised to see it, especially after, you know, I had specifically asked Miles when we were there on Friday if they've been training in a back three. And that question was in reference to them going into a back three in the previous game against D.C., where Miles came on toward the end of that game. You know, just to try to ask, like, did you guys train for those situations or is it something that's just in, kind of ingrained in you at this point? And he said that they have not been training it and then they start in it <laughs> against <laughs> against Charlotte. Um, so that was wild. And I honestly, I was not optimistic as soon as I saw the starting lineup. And it kind of honestly, I, I hate to say this, but it just kind of went kind of how I thought it would, which is very similar to how we saw the team play at the end of last season. You know, when they were playing in that back three last season and we could see it wasn't working like the team was just too conservative. And that's pretty much how it played out. The midfield was Sosa and Sadich, which is, you know, it's what you have available to you, but it's not ideal. Sadich especially was kind of. Not really involved very much, which I feel like for a it's central midfielder involvement. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. But that whole right side, which we'll get into later, was was pretty absent in the game. Um, and then. Dom Dwyer got the start up front. I think that was one of the other questions heading into the game, which was, was who was going to be that starter at striker. Was it going to be? I think it was pretty much down to either Jackson Conway or Dom Dwyer. Dwyer obviously wasn't available last game due to injury or I'm sorry, due to red card suspension. So he did get back in the lineup and we were just chatting a little bit before we started recording here. I feel like he's escaped a lot of criticism. There's been a lot of criticism, uh, you know, doled out to several players during this game. I feel like maybe not enough towards Dwyer because he had a, he had a, at least one good chance to score, maybe two. Um, it just didn't really offer a lot up front, you know, and it was just you hope to just see more energy, more running. You know, we talked about Jackson Conway, at least when he came in for Joseph last week, he was running and, and, and kind of creating disturbances to DC's back line. Of course, he fluffed the, the one chance he had to score, but we didn't really see much of that from Dwyer. Yeah, no, I didn't see that much. It, I'll be honest. When I saw the the lineup and kind of realized, oh, it's like a three four three type deal. I had FDB flashbacks, honestly, mm-hmm. right? It, it, and that's something we've seen a couple times. Is like things that if you've been watching Atlanta United for three four years now of kind of rough play, you know, don't necessarily work super well, right? 
Mm-hmm. And even with this personnel, I went, nope, not going to work. Not going to work. Yeah. That same kind of 343 that Frank DeBoer tried to do for a second there that was so miserable. And did Gabby do it at some point as well? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, so, I mean, uh, Heinze's was a little bit different because of how kind of quirky his tactics were with the man marking and everything. One thing mm-hmm. I want to say about uh, this setup I feel like it is not conducive for Santiago Sosa. Santiago Sosa is like a a, kind of like a hybrid defensive midfielder slash center back. And when you play in a back three, so in a back two, Sosa will want to try to drop into those defensive positions along along the, the defensive line. To, to create space for his teammates and to make himself available for passes when there's already three center backs back there. It's like there's nowhere for him to go. And I think it limits the areas in which he likes to operate and where he mm-hmm. can then kind of, you know, use his wide range of passing to help progress the play. And so I just really don't feel like for as much as the back three may not be conducive for the team overall holistically, I think for Santiago Sosa specifically, it's not very conducive either and we've seen him play in that position in that team shape many times and um you know i guess this i guess they needed to to see it again to understand it. i can see i guess i can see when you look at a player with his talent like you can sit you can see how it might work on paper but it just never seems to manifest in reality yeah no yeah i think you're exactly right it's the same with marcy on the wing Right. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see Marcy exactly start yeah. out on the wing, you're like, oh, well, great. the stats we seem make it seem like it should work. Yeah. Yeah. If you hear Twelman talk about it, it's like, oh, I think Marcy would be great on the wing. I'm like, no, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor, uh, we've done this. We've done this. He was also critical too of kind of the rotation between Marcy and Almada, which I disagreed with. And kind of knowing what we know, if you watch the on review segment on Patreon, we we know that there was a lot of rotation in the last game, and I think there yeah. was plenty of rotation. And, and this game as well, where they were able to kind of work off each other because they were the two best players on the field by a considerable margin. Maybe not on the yeah. field. I'm going to give that to Carol. Carol Swiderski's a stud. He didn't even have any shots, and he was still the most effective Charlotte player from a striker position. He created the most um, expected assist out of anyone on the field. I love Carol, my, mm-hmm. my tiny boy child from, from Charlotte. Um, but uh, Marcy and uh, Almada both create about 0.3 something worth of XA. Uh, Marcy found some decent spots. He led the team in XG. You know, uh, they were the only ones really doing anything effectively. And the rest of the balance wasn't quite there. Uh, not to take anything away from Andrew Gutman, who was doing good stuff, but we talked about it. It was the left side and that was all Cheryl had to worry about. The right side was completely non-existent. You look at where the passes leading to shots came from, and you look at a chart of it, it's entirely on the left side. There's nothing mm-hmm. on the right side. You look it's, at average positioning, you look at all these things, the right side was completely ineffective. It's crazy. It's it's wild, and we'll post those, um, those screenshots um, in the Discord, so anybody who's listening to this who's uh, a subscriber to the Patreon can can see those, but uh, it's it's wild how much the right side was just completely absent. And part of me thinks that like that's why I'm so excited to see Lu- Luis Araujo come back into this team mm-hmm. because I wonder how much he changes that dynamic. Um, because it does seem I don't know if like cluttered is the right word, but you're just yeah like the the opposition can predict kind of where Atlanta United's attacks are going to be coming from and that's mainly through those two mm-hmm. players obviously marcelino moreno and tiago amada specifically passes from tiago amada to marcelino moreno seems to be precisely <laughs> like where those chances uh, are coming from i continue to just be in- 
very impressed with Tiago Amada's passing specifically, like the mm-hmm. way he was able to play through balls in that completely unlocked Chicago, uh, Charlotte's back line, like two or three times, just like a splitting through ball into a runner in behind. Like that is you're lucky if you get one or two of those from uh, an attacking midfielder in a game. And he seems to do it on a pretty regular basis. Even some of them, there was one that was delivered from quite a ways back. And um, sometimes they're not even balls necessarily into the box directly, but sometimes he was picking up the ball in a little deeper position and then playing somebody like Marcelino Moreno into space higher up the field that's in the attacking third who was then able to try to create something. So I just continue to be impressed with Almada. Uh, and I thought that his his attacking qualities really really stood out in this game it's just a shame that there's just not enough cohesion around him to produce a lot of what he's doing into goals but again to go to bring back to Araujo I hope that with his introduction you do get a lot more kind of dynamism within the team that helps everybody yeah no it not only should open up the right side more but it'll open up everything else right because you're going to drag defenders more they're going to have more to worry about they're going to get wider right there's, there's going to be more gaps for people like Marcy and Almada to, to fit the ball through right but th- then you kind of worry about the balance again right so mm-hmm. so what do you do um uh, if you do like a 4231 what do you do with those two central midfielders right can marcy and almada effectively work together if marcy is is on the wing and that kind of setup right can they keep that rotation going and have everything feel balanced and, and steady and still have the people in front of them which you would assume would be at uju and whoever the hell is playing striker at this point Right? Are, are they making the runs? Are, are Lennon and Gutman getting forward enough? And, and then whatever the hell is going on in midfield, right? Do you do uh, uh, you do Sosa and Abara in some kind of devil pivot? Who makes up the rest of that? Is it Sosa and Hosetu with Almada and, and, and Marcy kind of rotating out? Because that kind of seems like a mess and a half. And again, the press <laughs> yeah, yeah. isn't going to be effective. There's going to be no counter pressing. There are a lot of holes in the roster and they kind of start with midfield and I'm having a tough time seeing the way out of it at this point, you know, mm-hmm. to the point think- where like you just kind of wonder if this is what Atlanta is at this point. So at some point you kind of had to have to accept it, you know, I think things will come together uh, in a better way as the season progresses. I'm pretty convinced that a Sosa, Abara double pivot and a 4-2-3-1 is going to be quite successful. We just have not seen Abara play as much yet because he's still getting fit, but he seems to be getting there. He played 30 minutes this week. Um, he'll probably be at least a half fit for the game against Cincinnati. If not, maybe he can start and play an hour. I think the more those two play together in a back four, that's going to really benefit the team. And I know people will kind of like, you know, say that the shape doesn't matter but i i really think that the back the 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 shape does matter in this instance <laughs> for the reasons i was talking about with sosa earlier because if you play a back four with sosa in midfield he can drop in and and give you the back three um in build up and in different phases of the game and, and a little extra protection so i like the looks of those two players and what we've seen so mm-hmm. far but it's just a matter of them again getting fit and getting time to play together yeah. well in this case the midfield too was a guy coming off of sports hernia surgery in a Marseilles, right? Yeah. And yeah. that kind of put them both on an island and neither was going to be able to, to make up the ground. So yeah, maybe having a bar in that double pivot, maybe that works extremely effectively if they can learn to find the right spaces and protect uh, each other in the right way that I worry about ball progression at that point. But 
you could talk me into again Marcy on the wing, unfortunately, but floating centrally, right? With as much as Gutman gets forward, if you drop Amada deeper, which is where he seems comfortable and where his average positioning kind of ended up anyway, mm-hmm. according to second spectrum, right? And where he seems yeah. really, really comfortable creating from and being that connecting piece. Uh, he would have to do a little more connecting in that case, but that could be something that's potentially effective if the balance can be figured out, you know, um, but yeah, I'm maybe not convinced of that yet. Not yet. It's a, uh, it's just, I hate to keep saying this because it feels like a cop out or whatever, but it's true that we just haven't seen Atlanta United with all the pieces in place. Like they were playing that game yesterday with one of their, with one DP and you know, the TV broadcast was making a lot about how expensive Atlanta squad is. And it certainly is much more expensive than Charlotte squad. And I would say that Atlanta United should have been getting a result there. Like that was a winnable game for them and they didn't do it. Um, But again, I just, it's hard for me to understand exactly what this team is yet before, especially with Luis. Like he's the one who's only played 20 minutes this season. He's the big missing piece as we were talking about, but Sam, I got to ask you a question. Okay. Is an Olympico a great goal (laughs) or is it a gigantic mistake? Because to, to me, to me, it's just like, it's a huge blunder, but like, I feel like it's being talked about like it's some like amazing goal. And like the fact that it scored so little is evidence of the fact of how amazing it is. But to me, that's just evidence that it should be stopped every single time and it should never, ever, ever be allowed. And it's We're pretty much hop. an individual error. We're going to hop right into the discourse, huh? <laughs> Great. Awesome. Uh, I saw a lot of people yelling about this on Twitter. It's dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, look, Guzan made a mistake. That, that's yeah. That's all that happened there. There was an Olympico the other day. I don't know if you saw this where uh, the keeper was out trying to direct and shuffle people around in his own box. And the person taking the corner recognized it and went with the, the outside of his foot and kind of curled it in and behind Damn. the keeper. That was a goal. Outside that was the impressive. foot. Olymp- that is crazy. Oh, dude, I'm going to send you that shit. That was awesome. That is wild. So this was not bad. That's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brad said the wind caught it. <laughs> I feel like because of there. I feel like because of the name Olympico, people associate it with like the Olympics, which is like peak cool. athletic performance. And so it's like, the, OK, so an Olympico must be like the peak, uh, uh-huh. the pinnacle of all goals that can be scored. But it's really not. It's really a mistake, despite how windy it may or may not be. Well, well that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the the chances that were created there, like the real chances, not sure. the, the chances that apparently come on mm-hmm. corners now where Brad yeah. has to worry about people <laughs> scoring on them there. Great. Yeah. He did something, by the way, he did something similar last year against DC. Do you remember that? I was on a set piece where he got smoked. I, think, like, I don't quite remember Jordi it, but Reina I definitely believe some, it. Someone like blasted a free kick in from a crazy angle like that. And I was just kind of Brad not being super ready for it. Not great. Not great from your your veteran captain, who apparently did take a pay cut. We got to mention that now within yeah, the context yeah. of everything Credit to him. with Brad. Yeah. Um, so thanks for that. Um, uh, I, I sh- I'll shout out Felipe, who had, a, who had a little bit of a thread kind of detailing some of the issues that Guzan had on that particular set piece. And then also I'll note that Jason Longshore had a good point in the um, off the woodwork or the postgame show that uh, Atlanta seems to specifically have a problem with in swinging corners. That seems to be the one that's really giving them trouble and how they're conceding a lot of goals. And so if they're having trouble like that, teams are going to love continue to do it until they <laughs> stop it. So 
Well, look, I, I want to kind of go back to the chances that were being sure. created. And this is my biggest thing right now. I went back and watched all the chances created in this one from both teams. Right. Okay. And the chances that Atlanta was creating were Tiago does something special or Marcy does something special mm-hmm. right? and plays someone through who you have no confidence in of scoring. <laughs> right. Uh, the two biggest mm-hmm. chances came um, from Dom or to Dom, I guess. Yeah. And weren't finished, obviously. And then the next one came from like Tiago Amada taking a free kick really quickly and then burning a bunch of people with Andrew Gutman getting behind. Right. And that was kind of it for the most yeah. part. You look at Charlotte's chances and I posted a video of this both in the discord and on my Twitter of this incredible like three person triangle off ball movement, quick tiki taka looking thing that didn't quite result in a in a critical chance, but very well could have and would have been a goal if the Charlotte player had been able to stick a leg out and get to it. Throughout the entire game, Charlotte was moving off the ball. Charlotte was creating space for themselves off the ball. And when they got to the final third, they were getting numbers into the box in a way I genuinely have not seen Atlanta do mm-hmm. for the better part of two and a half years now mm-hmm. at this point. Right. And that mm-hmm. is what's concerning to me is that those problems are still there and that this team is not creating chances in the same way and at the same level as other teams in MLS. I think a lot of times people who watch Atlanta United only watch Atlanta United, which is totally fine. It's a regional sport. That's how it works. But for those of us doomed and attached to the, the Sisyphean task of rolling the MLS ball up the hill and watching as much of those games as we possibly can, you notice these things. You notice the differences in how the chances are created by the best teams in the league. And Atlanta simply is not there yet. And again, I'm, I'm also having another tough time seeing the path forward for how those chances are going to be created. And it's worrying that the Charlotte six games in is already doing that at a better level. Full credit to Miguel Angel Ramirez, who is probably like an A tier, maybe even an S tier coach in this league, it seems mm-hmm. like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just worrying that it's not happening in the same way for Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Tom Bogert had uh, a, a tweet thread out this morning, just kind of recapping some of the teams that are like top and bottom of the league in terms of expected goals created, expected goals allowed and things like that. And so, you know, one of the things coming out of this game was that Atlanta United created, I think, 1.3 something XG to Charlotte's 0.9 and that being mm-hmm. evidence of Atlanta being the better team on the day, but, you know, not getting the result or whatever. I'm not going to dispute like some of those takes, but what struck me was that Charlotte is giving up like almost like their bottom five in the league in terms of um, goals allowed or like, expected goals allowed bottom five, meaning they give up the most. Um, and they're not very high in expected goals created. So like, I think that you have to have that kind of context in place when you look at the expected goals of mm-hmm. this game where Atlanta should be probably doing more than what they did in this game in terms of preventing expected goals and creating more for themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, real I mean, quick note on, mm-hmm. on creating more for themselves, Atlanta, just not taking good shots or not finding good shots. I should say they're fifth worst in the league. If you look at the average shot distance, so they're taking shots further away from just yeah. about anybody. And the average shot quality is very, very middle of the road by XG. So they're just not getting high quality chances in the way that other teams are. Mm-hmm. Including and Charlotte, 
And I think it's something that could be expected when you're not, you don't really have quality forwards who are making the runs into the box and getting in position. And we've talked about Joseph Martinez, maybe how he's 70% or whatever so far this season. You know, something else that I was thinking about with him is that because I think of his limited mobility because of the knee and everything, we've seen him, you know, dropping back more and, and not making those runs forward. And I think that that also on top of not being making himself available in the box by making the run. He's also kind of cluttering that area again that we've been talking about with Marcelino Moreno, Tiago Amadas, and you don't need another player coming back there into that area to try to create. You need more going forward. And so it's a matter of which forward is going to be able to do that for you. And I think that when Ronaldo Cisneros came into this game, that was something <laughs> that at least people were like, Oh, crap. Like this guy is kind of fast and can like is running forward. And this is exciting, even though he wasn't really doing anything spectacular other than just kind of like making, you know, full effort, like hard runs. And he does have some some pace, but that's exactly it. That's exactly where we're at. It's like, ooh, someone's running (laughs) in the running sport. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I saw a couple people. I had to giggle at this. And I'm not calling anyone out in particular, but I had to laugh at the people are like, oh, my God, he ran past all those people. Those people were Christian Fuchs. Who, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Joe, I think you could take them. I know I could. I feel like I think a lot of people could could outrun this dude at this point. We know Jake um, Mulraney can. Jake Mulraney Jake, left Jake him Mulraney in the dust when he's before yeah, he scored his exactly right. game winning goal. That's exactly right. So maybe don't put too much stock in that. It, it is good to see someone moving, though. Uh, and that can affect so many things. Who, right. who is okay i'm, I'm gonna uh, start the mailbag early for you sam who like what are your rankings in terms of these strikers that atlanta has right now if you're if you're selecting one striker to play at like the top of a four two three one who what are your is it who are you are putting we, in first is, is joseph included give me that? the no without joseph who's your without two deep okay. at striker it's this a tough one because like <laughs> dude at some point it just becomes like the same picture over and over again <laughs> uh jackson i think Dom, jackson's my ronaldo. number one too i think i think ja- for me it's jackson ronaldo i'm more just i'm just ronaldo curious at this point so i want to see him play <laughs> that's fair that's but, fair um, that's totally fair i i can't take away a ton from this first 20 minutes because i can't take away a lot from a ton of this this weekend but i get that i'm still, I'm still like you and you you're the one who kind of like got me on this train to be perfectly honest but like I'm more encouraged by Jackson more than anybody based on what he did in the DC game and that includes totally missing a chance that he should have scored <laughs> on but again at least he was making those runs and he was mm. creating disorganization for DC and so that's what Atlanta United needs kind of more than anything they just need activity you know yeah. someone we can look at too in the on review for the Patreon is, is runs challenging the back line and runs in the box and I'll take stock of all that I think and kind of look at which of those strikers have been moving the most including Cisneros in that very limited appearance one last thing I want to touch on Joe Patrick before we move on to our, our quick break and the questions is that a lot of people are jumping on Marcy for this one and you know me I, I gotta jump in and, and defend Marcy a little bit I don't think that the offenses, the, the attack struggles come down to just him, right? And I think on that left side with Gutman, with Almada, and with Marcy, there is so much quality interplay and so much good movement and so many things that we would really see kind of paying off if the rest of those pieces were kind of in place up top. 
mm-hmm. that I, I can't be discouraged by what Marcy's doing. And I, I don't see him coming out. I, I've seen a few people suggest him coming out in like a four, two, three, one and having Almada be the lone kind of um, a central attacking mid, the 10, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Right. With like fast I, wingers. Yes. And I get that, but the, the other options right now are, are what Kayla Wiley. Yeah. You probably uh, put Caleb Wiley on the left and Mulraney yeah. on the right. Something like that. Yeah. It, that's not, not there yet. And I don't think yeah. that needs to be there because I think it can all work on the left, especially with the way Gutman gets forward. What they just need is some balance, right? They need Eruju. They need Brooks mm-hmm. Lennon having interplay there. They need, Heck, one of one of Almada and Marcy to maybe drift to the right every once in a while, <laughs> you know, instead of say, occupying the same half space. Mm-hmm. That's my thought right now. And I understand where people are coming from with wanting to maybe get him out of that and maybe balance the team better that way. But that's just not where I see this team being successful for now. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's perfectly legitimate. Um, you know, I kind of I, I put in a tweet that like Moreno is a paradox because his stats are so good. Like, like when you look at his numbers, they really jump out. He seems like a very active player. He's constantly attempting to dribble by players and create things. And that's what you want to see. And again, in that DC game, we actually saw some bits of interplay between Tiago Almada and Marcelino Moreno that looked really, really good. And that were creating chances. I think these, these players can work together, but you're totally right. Like they just need, they, there, there needs to be a counterbalance somewhere else on the field or a counterweight somewhere else on the field that kind of shifts the attention away from them sometimes, I think, or at least can be another outlet for them to play with one of them to go over and link up with. So mm-hmm. it's just a, it's an interesting one. I understand like when people talk about how like, Oh, midfield felt like it felt like the ball was moving slow today, like through midfield and stuff. I understand why people feel that way about Marcelino Moreno. I mean, there was one time in the game where I don't remember what may have been on for him, but he kind of just like there was a guy that was trying to bring him down, was like tugging on his on his jersey, you know, which is like very normal. And it's like ridiculous how much he's opponents try to bring him down constantly. But he just kind of like dribbled the ball all the way from like one side of the field to the other. So he was just not progressing the ball forward at all again he's trying to find he's trying to get this defender off him and he's trying to find room to do something with it but it just the whole sequence just kind of slowed everything down and kind of took away the it kind of like you know popped the balloon of any attack that Atlanta United had so I do understand and he's not like the perfect player or anything but he is definitely a talented player and so that's just why he's so confounding I continue to say it's like he's amazing he's like um chaotic good he's like you know uh-huh. he's, he's he's good overall but you just kind of don't know what you're going to get from him like game to game or or even moment to moment throughout a match so it's just something you're gonna have to live with with a guy like marcy and you know he's not a designated player like i feel like a lot of people see him he was brought in as such and so he's seen as like this guy who's supposed to be elite with the capital e but he's just like he can be a very very good player for this team but there has to be other top quality players involved. It can't just be him and Tiago Amada trying to make something happen. That's not a, that's not a cohesive attack. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. Well said. And again, I think that's where maybe that, that double pivot that we're going to, I think start asking for is potentially effective, right? Because it would give them some space to, to maybe feel more comfortable getting forward, have other Mm -hmm. pieces get forward. We'll see if it can all balance out. Um, Again, I'm struggling right now and that's just kind of overall. Takeaway. I've said yep. it before. I, I should frame all this with like my entire preseason thing with this team was that 
it's going to take like three months and they're going to yeah. sounders their way to something. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And now that they're doing it, I'm mad about it. I know. With me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, well. We're, we're it, prisoners it, of the moment. We're prisoners of the moment. Exactly. It's it's my right to be mad. And it's our right right now to go to a quick break. And before we get back into the show and get your great questions, we did want to, of course, let everybody know that this sponsor or this uh, podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Lucid FC. Uh, And they have some interesting news. Every Saturday in April, Lucid FC has a pop up at 14th Street and Howell Mill just before the match. So and there's some other businesses involved as well um, from noon to 5 p.m. That's every Saturday in April. And so the best part about this, Sam, if you go to the pop up, and tell the twins, that's Chet and Betts, the founders of the company, that Five Stripe Finals sent you, there will be a special reward for you. And so you can come by the match before you can come by before the match this weekend or any Saturday in April. I'm really interested to see what the what the special reward is. Um, what if, what if Five Stripe Final actually shows up to the to the pop? Oh, that would be fun. That sounds like a move, right? That, that could should be that like could... a maybe a second special reward, I think. <laughs> could be. I'm gonna try to play this. We'll could figure be. it out. That's also, cool. did want to sh- did want to shout out everybody who came out to the uh, fashion show that was held at the Interlock last Saturday. Uh, and then, as you know, Elucid FC, their shop is in Buckhead. It's open by appointments and walk-ins from one to eight p.m. daily. Uh, so you can just go onto their website, make an appointment, or walk in. And it's located behind the Whole Foods in Buckhead at thirty two zero nine Paces Ferry Place. And you can use DSS as the season long promo code for free shipping at lucidfc.us. Speaking of U.S., this game happens in the United. You left me no room for a happens transition. Happens in the U.S. You did it. Yeah, you made uh, an effort for a second. I'm getting no help from from my midfielders. It's just like Atlanta United. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Um, we had to go. We had to go a bunch of good questions. We'll get to this best we can. We'll start with this from Philip Jeffcoat, who says, "Do you think Pineda was out coached yesterday? It seemed like Charlotte's team was a lot more prepared for us than we were for them." Uh, to piggyback off that, you hear during interviews that all we're saying we need to play faster. How does this team change to speed up the pace? And this kind of gets back at my thing. Just looking at the way in which Charlotte was creating chances. Seems so much more well-drilled, so much more effective. They were playing with their first choice 11, which is good for them, right? You helps. know, that, that is a, a, <laughs> helps a little bit, right? Um, <laughs> at, at the same time, they look like they knew what they wanted to do. They look like they had an identity. And I'm still unsure of what this team's identity is supposed to be because they can't press. They can't counter press. Are they supposed to sit deep and be a counter team without having players who are fast? Is it just supposed to be full possession control the entire time? I don't know what it's supposed to be. And that's where I think Atlanta United has been out coached and out roster built for the better part of two and a half years now at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think I don't, out coached. I would. It's a whole nother conversation. Like, what I feel yeah, about that word. So vague, but yes, right? I think I think that Charlotte's team was set up in a better way and set up to succeed more so than Atlanta United's. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail, but it just to me kind of comes down to everything that we talked about in that first segment in terms of the way that the team shape, the selection all that stuff I think was ill suited to Atlanta. But again, Gonzalo Pineda is dealing with a tough situation right now on the roster. So it's just one of those things where he was always set up in a worse position than uh, I, I always forget Charlotte's coach's name. Do you remember? 
Miguel Angel Ramirez. Miguel Angel Ramirez. Yeah. Yeah. Good job by him. He's doing a great job with that squad, by the way. Shout out to him. And Charlotte played well, too. I mean, they probably mm-hmm. have had played one of their better games of the season. For sure. For sure. Well, let's get a Phillips second question there. And he asked, how does this team change to speed up the pace? That's a great question. And I wish I knew the answer. I really do. I, I just don't know what it is at this point besides just waiting for Araujo to get back and actually be the one fast guy on the field. And yeah. uh, time. So, so I think that the when we talk about speeding up the pace, I don't think that that's necessarily an issue in and of itself. Like, I think that it's the runners in behind. And, and, and that is what Atlanta United's missing. And when that starts happening, I think that when what people talk about with the pace of play, I think that that will start to come back. But right now, Gonzalo Pineda said it after the game, especially for much of that first half, they just weren't getting those runners in behind. So you didn't have those opportunities to put the ball in. It seemed like the pace was up right when Ronaldo Cisneros came in. The team was playing more balls in behind Charlotte. He was running. Then when the ball gets in behind, the whole team is able to push it up and you're able to do a lot more. So I think that that is really the thing to you know, keep an eye on, I guess, uh, in terms of what Atlanta United needs to improve. Well, kind of feeding into this, uh, Logan Harris asked, do we have hope of looking like a cohesive team? Without Ozzy and Hosetu, um, Almada has demonstrated some incredible vision through the middle, but it feels like we have very little connective tissue between the roles right now on the field. Subnote, Gutman is a dude. Gutman is a dude. Good call, Logan. Yes. Good call, Logan. Do we have any hope, Joe Patrick, of, of this team looking like a cohesive team without Ozzy? And Hasetsu, I think Hasetsu, I mean, theoretically, he'll be back soon. And when Heinemann's mm-hmm. back, he's a pretty like for like mm-hmm. with Hasetsu in some ways, in a lot of ways better, I think, than Hasetsu. Mm-hmm. So I think that part will be fine. I do worry about the cohesion in midfield, and I've talked about that a bunch already. So I'll just go ahead and let you take that, Joe. Yeah, I mean, whenever you lose Ozzy Alonso, you're going to struggle because of how well he's able to like connect players just with him alone because of his experience, especially in Pineda's system, he can literally be like another coach on the field. So it's tough. I'm, I think it'll get there. Obviously it's not something that is just going to like all of a sudden happen in the next game. They're going to be cohesive and functioning exactly how we want. Uh, But I continue. I have hope that they will. I mean, I, I, Again, we'll repeat that I think Santiago Sosa and Franco Ibarra would function very well together as a double pivot. And then when you get Emerson Hyman back, um, depending on his form, he can potentially slot in as like a number eight type. I, I just think a four, two, three, one or some formation with a back four is going to be much more conducive to Santiago Sosa. And I think that that him playing with a back three behind him was, again, another reason why we saw midfield seem so dysfunctional. Completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, we'll move on to this from Philip again, who says, do you see Goose being our starter next year? Well, he has good moments. He also has way too many questionable moments to be a veteran goalkeeper. Yeah, Goose is going to get a lot uh, of stick for, for that particular miss and for the fact that he simply just hasn't been very good so far this year. Just hasn't, yeah. right? I, yeah. Pay cut, though. But have, well, <laughs> Right. Do I see him being the starter next year? Yes, I do. Do I think that that's optimal for this team? No, I don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, I think it's just I don't see many other options that Atlanta United has. Like I don't. They're not going to be able to clear his salary, right? So therefore, I don't want Atlanta United to go spend more resources on a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only option that he would like get displaced, therefore, is from like, some other goalkeeper that's already in the system. And I just don't see Bobby Shuttlesworth being 
Well, I don't know. Maybe he would be better. I don't, he's started plenty in this league. Who knows? Um, but then, and then obviously, like the the young keepers that Atlanta United has, and Justin Garces and Vicente Reyes. But I, I don't see them making a breakthrough in the in MLS anytime soon. So therefore, yes, I do see Guzan still being here. Yeah, in MLS, you don't need necessarily need your keeper to be a match winner, but you need them to not lose you games. Right, right now, we're veering into that territory, and that's not I tweeted. Good. I tweeted kind of early on, like halfway through the first half that it just like felt like we were watching that old version of Atlanta United that um, racks up half a goal of expected goals a game and, and more so just like gifts the opponents goals and chances. And, you know, we've heard Carlos Bocanegra talk about that um, back when they were really struggling in 2020. He was talking about how many times Atlanta just gifts the opponent chances, whether it's through their own throw ins or corners or things like that. So. That's what yesterday reminded me of. Eventually, they were able to tick up the, the offensive production and create more goals. But it was just really frustrating to see them again, just gifting. In this in this instance, it wasn't even a gifting a chance. It was gifting us a, a goal straight up to to uh, Charlotte. It's frustrating. Frustrating. Not good. Uh, maybe possibly good. Ronaldo Cisneros. We had like a whole bunch of questions about him. Hmm. Again, he ran. Rubber Anchor asked yeah. thoughts on Ronaldo. It made me really happy when he hilariously outran those defenders to a ball he kicked over their heads, but maybe that was just fresh legs. That also helps. Also, Christian Fuchs. Nolan Smith, not that one, asked Cisneros like fast and made a few runs. I was hoping to see a few opportunities for him to take shots on goal. Do you think he'll be the Joseph backup? And who is the best finisher with Joseph out? And B. Mildenhall asked if Ronaldo is a better choice up top. How would the team need to change tactically to adjust to his style of play? We can kind of go pretty one by one with that we kind of already addressed the running past the dudes thing maybe not sold on that he did have a Hold few on. other moments where he was quicker than folks though i i, I gotta i gotta address b Mildenhall briefly and this is not a big thing but like the team should not be adjusting to Ronaldo Cisneros, <laughs> the third string striker. Like <laughs> he should be fitting into what gonzalo pineda wants him to do up top so just kind of clear that but i mean yeah i mean i thought he looked good and i think the i think the pace is legitimate he's not like super fast i think he looked super fast in that game and i think that probably the fresh legs did have a little bit to do with it he's quick you know he's he's probably you would say he's quicker than jackson conway or dom dwyer for sure so in that respect and it's good and it's kind of nice just to see some speed on the field because that's like the one thing atlanta united still does not really have is a lot of pace in the team you know you got guys like tiago amada who are quick but they're playing in the interior um your fastest player is probably andrew gutman to be perfectly honest yeah um so it's not and so in the attack you just don't really have those vertical threats like a like a tito vialba you know where it's like he was a threat a legitimate threat wherever he was on the field so i don't think cisneros is you know anywhere near tito vialba fast but he's quick you know which is nice to see i'm not making too much out of that little cameo though just need more more time to see him um who is the best finisher with joseph out i guess it's dom i guess it's dom because he has actually finished this year that one time i mean my hot take would still be that it's that is Jackson. <laughs> but um, <laughs> people talk I know, about I know Jackson that that's hard training. to defend right now. So and we see Jackson trading, too, as well. And he does yeah. finish very, very well. Who and he has somebody was all the time. Somebody was saying somebody on the team was saying that they think that Jackson Jake, is the best finisher on the Jake team. Jake. Yeah. 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 He's got it. He had that one fluke. He'll yeah. Be fine, right. Yeah. Ranker asked, uh, can they get back fast enough? How has it changed things? We kind of touched on that a little bit, but again, that that balance and having the defense worry about literally anything else but the left side is going to be huge. I think it's going to be huge. 
Yeah, for as much as uh, we've been saying that we want to see him back and I, as for as treat, intrigued as I am, I do think that the team and um, the medical staff here is doing the prudent thing with him, which is just really being slow with him. And uh, because it's, there's not a reason to rush. And, you know, something that Gonzalo Pineda says is like he's an explosive player. And so that you don't want to bring him back too early where you don't have that explosion that you get from him. So. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see him back, but I don't know how long it's going to take. I imagine it will probably be another week. I do not think he will be back for Cincinnati, considering that he has not yet trained with the team. So who knows when it will be? Clearly, it's a little bit slower of a timetable than they initially thought. Yay. How does it change things? I mean, to what we said earlier, this just gives you another attacking threat. Uh, we kind of already addressed this one, but if you want to add more, I'll let you do that. Ty Quinn asked thoughts on dropping Moreno to play Almada as the 10 and a more naturally wide player like Wiley on his left. I know Moreno has his moments, but I think the bad outweighs the good personally. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, we kind of, yeah, we talked about this exact situation earlier. I mean, I, I get it that I would be intrigued to see that. I'm just not. I don't think that it would work out the way a lot of people think it would work out. Um, I think you would have, I, I still think Almada would struggle. I do want to see him uh, place like more centrally. Like I, I do think that people are right in identifying that his best moments are coming when he's playing inside, you know, in the interior of the pitch and mm-hmm. is able to combine with players. And that's why people want to see him there. And then it just becomes a matter of like, well, what do you do with Marcelino Moreno then in that case? Um, I think that that's the struggle. I don't have a great answer for it, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I don't No, It gets back to just the roster construction in general. Maybe not. Yeah. Having all the yeah. right pieces. I kind of, well, you got to, yeah, well, I just going to say, wow. Go ahead. You, you I kind of compared it to having a lot of like really cool pieces of like different expensive jigsaw puzzles, but only having those pieces in the box. And so they maybe don't quite fit together. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's mm-hmm. where I'm at right now. Yeah. And you think about where the team was when Marcelino Moreno was signed. I, I apologize for that, Sam. That was <laughs> talking all over you. You got to think about where the team was when he was signed. And that when that summer that he was signed was like, the nightmare oh, we of needed, transfers we needed like that. We needed anything. It like, yeah. yeah, it was like desperate times. You had signed Jurgen Dom that summer. I mean, like things were that bad. That's how bad things were. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just I, so. I essentially the reason I say this is that like I think at that point when he was signed, the team wasn't so concerned about like specifics in terms of tactics and how he would fit in this system and that system around these players, that players. They just like needed something. They just like needed some sort of you know attacking threat. Mm-hmm. So um, I yeah. will say I worry that Almada. Maybe not worry. Almada is very, very, very good at one thing, right? And maybe not fantastic at other things. That is my kind of read right now. But an incredibly gifted creator and passer, right? And maybe mm-hmm. um, not a defensive stalwart, not a guy who um, can win fouls or really wants to, which is totally fine. Again, it goes back to the creative thing. Not a guy who's going to get a lot of like great chances and maybe even finish those chances, right? That's not my read right now, and that's totally okay. It, New England has Carlos Eel, which I think is like a really solid best case scenario comp for Almada. Right. But you also have Marcy there who is also kind of a lot of the same, 
you know? Yeah. And it would be really nice if Marcelino Moreno was like a little bit like more defensively or had like better defensive instincts. It would be mm-hmm. a lot easier to find a split, a place for him and that's in the side for him to be effective. Exactly. And so even when we are at full strength, I, I worry about this team defensively again. They're, they're just not going to be able to press or counter press, it seems like. And that's not the best news for this group. Yeah. When when you, by the way, if, if you look at the stats on Marcelino Moreno on like a game to game basis, you'll almost always see like an incredible amount of duels. And but then if you take a close, it makes you think like, oh, well, he's dual. That means he's like throwing himself in a challenge and stuff. No, not really. Like almost all of those duels are winning a dribble or drawing a foul. Like because those are uh, that's a winning duel doing one of those two things. And that's pretty much all of his winning duels. I think he was like one of six on tackles or something like that Mm -hmm. in the Charlotte game. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So he's just not a he doesn't have like defensive instincts, really. Ralph to me, I think he was playing in that kind of free eight role at Lanus, which is kind of mm-hmm. the same role that mm-hmm. Miguel Amaron was playing in, but it's not really a defensive central midfield role. Right. And Miguel, of course, was low key amazing defensively as far mm-hmm. as baseball mm-hmm. and everything like that. It's a different yeah. Role. Yep. Different vibe. Ralph asks Sadich and Sosa together. Why? Just why? I think that's a good point, Ralph. I think it's yeah. a good point. Let's not do that again. Yeah. Cool. Agree. Cool. Yep. Pierce ask, uh, and these are all kind of grouped together. Pierce asks, is there a way to make a back three work with this roster that doesn't have us getting outnumbered in midfield? And they tell Greg ask, I would like you all, you all say y'all Greg. I would like y'all to discuss this tweet more parentheses. I agree with it. This is a tweet from J Patrick 200 says I'm in favor of Atlanta switching to a back three late in games to deal with other team pushing with two forwards and very not in favor of starting with a back three simply because the opposition plays with two forwards too much conservative play and possession with these three center backs. So two part here. Is there a way to make this great, work? Great point. Great, great point. point. Jay, Patrick, Jay Patrick. And what about um, the back three? Are, are you kind of getting that there? Joe Patrick. Well, I just came off of watching a Tottenham game. Tottenham is just running rampant with a three center back system under Antonio Conte. And um, they have two center backs, the two wide center backs and Ben Davies and, <laughs> and Christian Romero, who are incredible passers and like actual. I don't want okay, I was about to say something that's going to sound like I'm like really being harsh on the, the Atlanta center backs. Atlanta center backs are defensive players. Primarily, they're good physical presences. You would say maybe Alan Franco likes to be on the ball a little bit more. But Miles Robinson and George Campbell specifically are primarily primarily there to thwart defensive you know or their the opponent opponent uh, opposing forwards and so they're just not playing with the ball enough to make it a attacking aggressive shape for the team um when those are when like you really requiring or asking those outside backs and those outside center backs to really push the ball forward and help you kind of get into your attacking build up and just advance the phase of play. So that's kind of my, where I'm at with these guys. Um, I don't mind at all. Like if a team is switching the shape in the middle of a game to throw on another forward, to be attacking totally put throw on the other center back, because that, at that point you're just trying to defend, you're trying to hold on to a lead, but to start a game that way, I think just sets your team up for failure. Basically. Good point. Jay Patrick 200. Uh, we got one more here from Pierce. This is miles Robinson's passing and ball control seem to have regressed. What's the reason? Is that your read on it, Joe Patrick? I've kind of, I'm, I'm kind of there with him. Yeah. Like, I feel like Miles has not been the same. I actually thought he was like playing at his peak under uh, Frank DeBoer. And what was interesting, what's interesting when I think about it is that um, 
Well, like, I don't know. They were playing in a, a, a back four quite a bit, but they did play in a back three some, and he was playing as the central center back there, uh, which I think is probably the ideal place for him, for Miles Robinson, as just like a total sweeper type because of how good he is defensively. Um, but yeah, he, I, I think he has been off off form a little bit and maybe losing confidence because of it. So it's kind of a double whammy. So Patrick, you're, you're going to need all of your confidence right now in this very moment because this is rapid fire. S. McFarlane asked, should Caleb Wiley get more minutes? I would like that and like a sub role, yeah. you know, he's good. Exactly. He's really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see more minutes, especially just because he has the speed. We've been talking about the team lacks so mm-hmm. much. So, yeah, I think people are maybe getting a little bit ahead of themselves after a 10 minute cameo where he had uh, literally three touches. So yeah. maybe pump the brakes <laughs> a little bit on that. But Caleb has been effective every time it's been out. It's fun to see. Okay. Can I just say, I, I think that, but the, I think, I think the reason people are excited because they see the off the ball like movement totally. that he has and that that's what cre- it, right. Yeah. So uh, John Mason asks, which is higher XG for Charlotte's goal. They scored this weekend or chances of an Atlanta MLS cup playing like that. The XG on that chance was 0.01. I looked at it. It was funny. Uh, Atlanta <laughs> MLS cup playing like that. Probably also much right higher. about the same. Oh, I'd say much higher. Okay, sure. If the MLS Cup was today, like if MLS Cup like playoffs were starting right now, then then no. That's what you say. If Atlanta winning MLS Cup playing, like oh, playing that. like that, I didn't. Okay, uh-huh. I didn't see the end. Playing like that, yeah, yeah, definitely lower. <laughs> Rever Anchor asks, can someone My give bad. Dom Dwyer some cleats so he stops falling down? I so I saw a couple people kind of mentioning this, and I like to think that like maybe there was like a secret like initiation punishment, like oh, you came from Orlando, we're giving you the silly cleats, and you kind of have to just fall on your face a bunch <laughs> just to get integrated in the team. Someone give Dom some tweets though, maybe, please. Jonathan asked men to ask this question weeks ago, but what percentage of games do you see our three DPs on the field together for? Uh, percentage of games, we are twenty percent of the way through the season right now at this very moment. Are we, are we really? Just about. Holy cow! Yeah, that's crazy. About. So that's fun. Um, percentage of games, I I hope it's half, and I hope it's the back half. That's just optimistic. I was gonna say like. Yeah, thirty-five to forty percent. God, even Maybe, that would be probably. like an extreme accomplishment at this point, right? When Joseph comes back, is he going to be playing every single game? I doubt it. Yeah. I hope he can. I certainly hope I hope he can. But I'm just kind of guarding against getting myself too optimistic about Joseph. That's fair. I'm going to put it at twenty-five percent. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And again, hopefully, mm. it's the last twenty-five yeah. percent. Right. If all those happen during MLS Cup playoffs, <laughs> then great. Perfect. Uh, ATL UTD seven one one says, "Meh." It's not a question. That's a good thought. I thought. Matthew Balti <laughs> asked, "Does this loss mean we are required to name Buckhead to Uptown?" Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, don't you mean Uptown City, Matthew? Just saying. And that was rapid fire. Uh, Joe Patrick, any other thoughts for you out of here? Brandon Vasquez returns this Saturday. That's right. One of the best strikers in MLS. <laughs> That's going to hurt so much when he scores a Hattie on us. But yeah. Whatever. We had some discussion during the show in the Discord about Marcelino Marino being like the having a fighting style. That's commonly known as drunken fist. It's a fighting style shared between him and Jar Jar Binks from Star Wars. Right. So just keep that in mind moving forward that Marcy may, in fact, be <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. And that's my final thought for the day. Cool. That's wild. That's a wild thing to think about. <laughs> 
Let me just say, crazy was, man. I'd love to be. I'd love to be in your yeah. head. Well, let's get out of here. All right, bye, all. <laughs>